The following sermon by Cotton Mather is Considerations to Aid in a National Repentance. The sermon is called Things for a Distressed People to Think Upon. 1 Samuel 7 verses 6 and 10. When the General Assembly of Israel poured out water before the Lord, it is the opinion of some that they designed with an hieroglyphic of much humiliation to express their own calamitous condition. A state irretrievably calamitous is thus described in Second Samuel 14.14, 14, where is water spilt upon the ground, which cannot be gathered up again. Thus the intention of the General Assembly here might be, most significantly to say, Lord, see whether we are not a people so utterly lost and spoiled and gone that it is as impossible to retrieve our doleful circumstances as to gather up the waters which is poured out upon the ground. Now your condition, O poor New England, is indeed so very like that of water poured out, that it pathetically obliges us all to pour out the water of our tears before the Lord. Weeping is one of those exercises in which the God of heaven calls his people to to humble themselves before him. And in the Bible we have many instances of a practice according to that precept in Joel 2, 12. Turn you to God with all your heart, with weeping and with mourning. Indeed, the tears of the eye are to be expected of men more or less according to their natural constitutions. It is desirable that the eye, which has been the grand broker for sin, should by its tears bear its part in discovering the passions of our minds thereupon. But where the eye does not naturally afford so free a channel to that brine, which the compression and constriction of the brain upon grief produces, we have still our sighs, which Augustine well calls our interior tears, and now, O oh, our tears, where are you? We read concerning a general assembly, in Judges 2, verse 1, An angel of the Lord came unto them, and said, I brought you to the land, which I swear to your fathers, but you have not obeyed my voice. Therefore, there shall yet be thorns in your sides. And it came to pass, when the angel of the Lord spoke these words, the people lifted up their voice and wept, and they called the name of the place Bochim, i.e. weepers. Oh, why should not Boston this day be thus called Bochim? So autocratically spoke that angel, that it seems to have been the Messiah himself, appearing in inhuman shape, even the same angel of the covenant that had formerly appeared to Joshua at Gilgal, and therefore it is here said he came up from Gilgal. Permit a poor servant of that blessed Messiah thus to expostulate with you. The Lord of heaven, from whom I come unto you, brought our fathers into this good land which he provided for us. But we have not obeyed his voice. In this our disobedience he has chastised with continual thorns in our sides. Why should we not lift up our voice and weep at such doleful tidings? I am sure there are such things as these to bespeak our tears. First, the horrid sin committed in the land, 
ye commonly committed, loudly call for our tears. Alas, it may be said of us that we have been drinking in iniquity like water. How much ought we then to drop it away in tears, as I may say, when we pour out water before the Lord? Bloody crimes, like those, the imputation whereof made our Lord Jesus Christ sweat out his very blood, have abounded among us, and will they not cause us to weep? Truly, tears of blood were little enough to bewail our bloody, scarlet, crimson abominations. There is not one of all the Ten Commandments in the law, which our God has given us, but people are notoriously violating it from one end of this land to the other. While our land is full of unconverted, unrenewed, unsanctified sinners, how should it be any other than full of all ungodliness? And yet such is a vast multitude of dead souls among us, or of souls which do not live to God, by virtue of union with the Lord Jesus Christ, that we may with horror say there is hardly an house in which there is not one dead. Nor may we wonder at it if the holy God in his dispensations treats our land as unclean, when the dead in all societies are so very many. Truly, if we had a real kindness for the holy and just and good law of our God, or for our neighbors, that ruin themselves by sinning against that law, we shall in some sort say with him in Psalm 119, 136, Rivers of water run down mine eyes, because they keep not thy law. Oh, shall we not mourn when we see that the world has become the idol of almost all our little world, but the Lord Jesus Christ and his great salvation very little considered? Yet the institutions of the Lord Jesus Christ are shamefully neglected, and the superstitions of a vain conversation practiced, that the names words, works, and ordinances and providences of our Lord Jesus Christ are more irreverently and unprofitably looked upon, and that we have a profane indisposition to the Sabbath of the Lord. Shall we not mourn when we see the disorder which confounds all societies and the selfishness which depraves the most in all societies, our hating and vexing of one another, our unchastity in all sorts of pollution, our injustice in our dealings, our manifold falsehood in all our affairs, our discontent in every station. We could, in a synod of our churches near 17 years ago, charge ourselves with epidemical breaches of all the rules of love to God and man. And verily, it would be a brave sponge to dry up our tears if we could say that we are mended since the admonitions of that faithful synod. But besides the more common violations of the divine law among us, there are more special outbreakings of sin in the midst of us, for which no tears are enough. We may say, but, oh, not without our tears, as in Jeremiah 5, verse 30, a wonderful and horrible thing is committed in the land. Is it not a wonderful and an horrible thing that the sins of Sodom should so much prevail in a land which was once a land of uprightness? For this was the iniquity of our sister Sodom, pride, 
fullness of bread, and abundance of idleness. Neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and needy. The whole spirit of all their dealings was, it seems, a general contrivance to oppress one another. Is it not a wonderful and a horrible thing, that in such a land as this there should be the sins that made the old land of Canaan vomit out her inhabitants? There was a time when one returning from here, back to England, could in a sermon to a very honorable auditory give this report concerning us. I have been seven years in a country where I never beheld one common beggar. I never saw one man drunk. I never heard one profane oath for all the time of my being there. But is it not a wonderful and horrible thing that the vices of drinking and swearing are now every day the objects of our observation? I pray, let it be a sorrowful observation. And is it not an horrible thing that it should be a complaint made about New England, righteousness once lodged in it, but now murderers? I speak it with a great concern of soul. The tears of a bitter detestation are necessary to cleanse this land from the guilt and shame of the murder of things that have been with too much credibility reported as done by some New Englanders. God forbid that I should reproach my country. As the apostle could say, I do not make my appeal as having anything to accuse my nation of. So I would say, I do not accuse my country of anything, but what any other nation may as much be charged with. But when Caesar saw one that was nearly related to himself, among the wretches that were stabbing of him, he cried out with a singular agony, What? You, my son. Have I a son among you? Thus there is this aggravation upon all of our miscarriages. Our Lord Jesus Christ from heaven may thus argue with us. If other people wound me by their sins, it is not such an horrible thing. But for you, O oh my people of New England, a people that for the liberties of the gospel I have known above the other families of the earth, a people that are obliged to me above the rest of mankind, for these vile things to be done among you, my children. Oh, this is a lamentation, and it should be for a lamentation. Secondly, no tears are enough to bewail the visible degeneracy which is to be instanced. Let me plainly and humbly say so, in all orders of men throughout the land. When there was a second edition of the temple among the people of God, it is noted in Nehemiah 3, verse 12, the ancient men who had seen the first house when the foundations of this house was laid before their eyes, they wept with a loud voice. Truly the few ancient men that are left among us do weep with a loud voice when they see how miserable the temple work is now circumstanced in the second and third generation of this country. Though we may shout aloud for joy when we see so much of Christ and of truth and of grace among us, for indeed so much there is, that if they who talk of deserting this country would be pleased to stay, as I think they should, until they hear of a country that is proportionably more of Christ in it, there would for the present be little said of a removal. Yet let not this hinder our joining with such as weep with a loud voice for our degeneracy. It is affirmed that many sorts of inferior creatures 
when transplanted from Europe into America, do degenerate by their transplantation. But if this remark must be made upon a people too, what can we do but spend our tears upon such a sad remark? Our Lord Jesus Christ from heaven seems to bestow that rebuke upon us in Jeremiah 2 verse 21. I planted thee a noble vine. How then art thou turned into the degenerate plant of a strange vine unto me? New England once had a famous governor, namely Hopkins of Connecticut, whose words were, I fear, I fear the sins of New England will before long be read in its punishments. Blessed hast thou been, O land, and thy rulers, but alas, for the generality, they have not considered how they were to honor the rules of God, in honor of, of those whom God made rulers over them, and I fear they will smart by having them set over them, that it will be in hard work to honor, and that will hardly be capable to manage their affairs. I must inquire whether our first love to the Lord Jesus Christ and his evangelical appointments be not almost lost, and whether we have not almost lost the old power of godliness in our conversations, and whether a Christian full of piety and charity and self-denial and universal holiness and fruitfulness do not grow a rare sight among us. Christians, our Lord Jesus Christ is this day holding his bottle to take the tears which we are to drop for our apostasies. Thirdly, the prodigious and astonishing scandals given by the extraordinary miscarriages of some that have made a more than ordinary profession of religion, these call for our tears and our bleeding lamentations. When some church members, yea, some teachers and rulers in Israel, were fallen into scandal, the good man says in Ezra 9, verse 3, When I heard the thing, then I rent my garment and my mantle and sat down astonished. And I said, Oh God, I am ashamed. Alas, it would astonish any good man into tears to be informed of the detestable things done by some that have highly professed better things. Indeed, let a man do never so well, yea, a great many ill things may be spoken of him. Yea, a man shall hear ill for doing well. One of the most faithful men among the whole people of God could say, I heard the defaming of many. But if those defamed servants of the Lord Jesus Christ will be a little patient, he will at last give an honorable resurrection to the names that had so much dirt cast upon them, when the names of their envious accusers will either lie buried in oblivion, or be mentioned no otherwise than as Judas in the Gospel and Pilate in the Creed. It is another matter, and oh, a very tearful and fearful manner it is, when such as have made an high profession of godliness are left of God, to the doing of those ungodly things upon which it may be said to them, the name of God is through your means blasphemed, sirs. It were infinitely better for one to die immediately. There are some who do with pleasure. Entertain the stories of base things done by the strict professors of religion, and with triumphs exclaim thereupon, Ah, these are the members of such an one. Who would be a professor? They are all so. Unto every such person I must without hesitation say, Man, 
thou hast an infallible mark of an unregenerate soul upon thee. If you had the heart of a Christian in you, you would never speak at such a rate. Such language would rather proceed from the heart of a devil. But the Lord Jesus Christ as unholy people, who do themselves hate every false way, and are in exquisite agonies of soul when they see any others to step aside into such a way. The wise man says in Proverbs 25, verse 26, A righteous man, falling before the wicked, is as a troubled fountain in a corrupt spring. Some have made such a profession of righteousness that much notice has been taken of them. Others have been ready to think, well, Christianity is just such a thing as the lives of these men do represent it. Now the falls of these men before the wicked are just as if one should throw poison into the well that all the town is to fetch water at. So were the heathen of old poison when they said, O lamentable thing, Satan, who is often the executioner of the wrath of God upon a sinful world, has desired permission to single out some high professors of religion and push them on to some scandalous iniquities. He would fain do the part of a devil, it may be, on some one man, that he might poison all the town by the fall of that man. The dreadful justice of God, who gives none account of his manners, has said, Go, Satan! Go make an experiment upon them. And lo, upon the experiment, some strict, and it may be some old professor, that had been formerly troublesome to all the sinners that were about him. He not only proves a covetous worldling, but he acts as driven by an unclean devil, or by a cheating devil, or by a lying devil, and he plays the devil horribly. Such doleful instances there have been among us, as would poison a whole neighborhood, yea, a whole colony, with atheism, if the Lord Jesus Christ had not an almighty arm to secure his own religion. Woe, woe, woe to hundreds of souls in the midst of you, O New England, for the offenses that are given by some of your church members. Let them think of the rest. But, oh, how should we all come to such lamentations? My eyes do fail with tears. My bowels are troubled. The scandalous fall of David is by as transcendent a mystery of divine sovereignty recorded as it was ordered. Some of the pagans in the primitive times would not be Christians because David was one of our greatest saints, though he did such damnable things. And many of the Christians would then sin damnably, pleading, Why may I not, as well as David? I believe there are a million of men in hell, whose damnation was occasioned by the fall of a David, though David himself be gone into heaven after all. I, but this David, therefore, comes to cry out, I water my couch with my tears. Mine eye is consumed. Have any of our eminent persons ever miscarried like David? We should, with an impartial fidelity, do what we can, that they may repent like David. No doubt the most holy Lord Jesus Christ, who has eyes like a flame of fire, makes his jealousy burn like fire against the churches which do not bear due testimonies against such offenders. It may be he'll set them on fire for their unfaithfulness, but still we must even 
consume our eyes with tears when we bear our testimonies. Oh, the irreparable wrongs that we have seen done to the dear and sweet name of our precious Jesus. I think we should broach our tears on this lamentable provocation and be like the church of Corinth when an unclean fellow was found among them, Second Corinthians 7.11, for godly sorrow, for carefulness, for clearing of ourselves, for indignation, fear, desire, zeal, and revenge. Fourth, the evident blows from the hand of an angry God and a long train of disasters upon all our affairs. How much did they solicit our tears before the Lord? A recapitulation of the sad things which have befallen us while our days have passed away under the wrath of God in this wilderness, and we have seen one destruction after another almost without any intermission, might justly bring us to that lamentation. Chapter 3, verses 48 and 49. Mine eye runs down with rivers of water for the destruction of the daughter of my people. Mine eye trickles down and ceases not without any intermission. The vials of the wrath of God have been long pouring out upon us and continued in horrendous desolations. It becomes us therefore to draw water and pour out our tears into the vials of the Lord. How much have our estates been diminished by losses that have been multiplied upon us? On shore, once and again, such fires have laid waste the treasures of our metropolis that we have had cause to cry, Oh, what means the heat of this anger! And at sea, besides our frequent shipwrecks, I suppose no part of the English dominions have proportionally had near so many ships taken by the common adversary as New England. What havoc has all this while been made upon the lives of our people by the angels of death in epidemical sicknesses? We have ever now and then been visited with mortal contagions. The arrows of death have been flying thick among us. A thousand persons, if I have not misreckoned, have been from one town in one year carried to their eternal home, and, oh, the slain of the Lord have been many. Oh, New England, such as these have been your disasters. And indeed, there is hardly a family among us in which there has not had some terrible thing or other fallen out, which will cause particular persons to go drooping with sorrow to their graves. It will be endless to enumerate the temptations that we have all had in this wilderness. But, as it was said of Miriam, this seems to have been a figure of the church then with her in the wilderness, Numbers 12:14. If her father had spit in her face, should she not be ashamed? Thus, O New England, your father has been spitting in your face. O let your tears now run down that shamed face. Let your tears wash that shame of your face away forever. If we did thus pour out water before the Lord, we might at last, as the scripture speaks, come to forget our misery and remember it as waters that pass away. Number two. May the prayers of a fervent supplication be from this day raised among us upon a manifold occasions for such prayers. I do not ask you to fast on this day as the General Assembly of Israel did, on a day when they were all together. But though things may be uttered on this day and resolved on this day, 
that many a day of prayer with fasting may be the effect of this day, and it may be a general assembly will before they break up some time or other set apart a day for prayer with fasting together before the Lord, that so a whole province together at once may hear what God the Lord will speak to them. Some think that when the general assembly of Israel did pour out water before the Lord, they did it as a symbol expressive of the devotion with which they made their prayers before him. As the devout person could say in 1 Samuel 1.15, I have poured out my soul before the Lord. And indeed, they seemed to me so intent on pouring out their prayers that they would pour nothing, not so much as a little water, in. For such prayers to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, I do this day make my most zealous address to you. O inhabitants of New England, I address you, that you would pray always with all prayer and supplication, and that with a public recommendation of public supplication, to be maintained by our churches, and a successive and repeated practice of it household prayer and secret prayer may be conscientiously practiced by all sorts of men. In three ways I would urge this desire of my soul first. All the blessings that we can want or wish, yea, the very best of blessings, are to be obtained by supplication to the blessed God for them. Why should I launch forth into the vast ocean of assurances and experiences which our God has given to his people? that they shall not seek his face in vain. All New England has been filled with demonstrations from its first settlement to this day, that prayer is, as it has been sometimes called, a golden key to unlock all the treasures of heaven. Many, and many, and many a time it might be said, this poor land cried unto the Lord, and the Lord heard, and saved. And what is the use that we should make of all the salvations in which we have so wonderfully seen? The prevalency of prayer demonstrated. What but this, that we will with our prayers again and always come unto thee, O thou hearer of prayer. We would have a supply of provision from the bounties of heaven sent to us in our society. Why supplications like those of Elijah will manage the very corks on the bottles of heaven. We would have the lions that are threatening to devour us restrained from doing so. Why supplications like those of Daniel will muzzle the most ravenous lions? All our undertakings, would they not prosper the more, if by more prayer over them? Like the servant of Abraham, we acknowledge the Lord in all our ways. Would any of our churches have pastors after the Lord's own heart bestowed upon them? I pray... Mark what I say. I wonder exceedingly how any church dares proceed so far as to vote and call a pastor for their fixed service until they have a day of prayer, first made their supplications to the Lord Jesus Christ for his direction. The jealous Lord Jesus Christ may justly show them that they make more haste than good speed when the chief shepherd is thus forgotten with them. Whereas if you will go to the Lord Jesus Christ, O you flocks of the Lord, he will give you those pastors that shall be good men and full of the Holy Ghost, and men by whom there shall be much people added to the Lord, men in whom you shall be on a thousand accounts unspeakably happy, as long as they live among you. 
Briefly, the best things that New England can possibly be blessed with would be the regeneration of the rising generation, the general conversion of our young people to know and prize and serve our Lord Jesus Christ. We are trembling at the controversy which we see the great God managing against you. O our young folks and fiery, deadly rebukes, you do not keep the covenant of God. And now the Almighty God seems to say over New England, I will take no pleasure in your young men. Some of our young men are given up to the furthest fallacies of extravagant and exorbitant impiety, and others of our young men perish either by the wars at home or by the seas abroad, until we almost become, as Bade reports once England was, miserable young men. Your conversion to the Lord Jesus Christ would certainly prevent all of this misery. Now, to procure such a conversion, it would be a course of admirable efficacy for our churches to keep now and then whole days of prayer to the Lord on the behalf of their poor posterity. Awake, then. What mean you, O you sleeping churches? Arise and call upon your Lord, the Holy Spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, could we pray that Holy Spirit into the hearts of our children, they would fall to glorifying of the Lord Jesus Christ immediately. Secondly, the times which we are fallen into do loudly call for our supplications to that God in whose hand are all our times. All the whole tribe of thinking men that have any understanding in the times do know this, that of all the things which we ought now to do, there is nothing more seasonable than unfeigned prayers to the Lord. There are those things now come on to the birth which require us to lift up our lively prayer to the living God. There are those calamities impending that strongly require us to cry to the God that performs all things for us. When Daniel did understand by books that the number of the years for the captivity of the church of God was very near accomplished, then he says in Daniel 9 verse 3, I set my face unto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplications with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. Truly, we may understand by books that the number of years for the church of our Lord Jesus Christ to lie under its desolations is very near its accomplishment. And therefore I may say, pray, 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 never more do we need it than now. Lift up your heads then, O you that love the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ. For there seems as if there were an age of miracles now dawning upon us. Proper miracles were continued in the church of God for two or three hundred years together. I do again assure you, the trumpet is going to sound that shall make the kingdoms of this world become the kingdoms of the Lord and of his Christ. But I am sure we had need be much upon our knees and supplications before the Lord, if it be a day of such expectations. For you must expect that these things will come on with such horrible commotions and concurrences and confusions, that men's hearts everywhere shall fail them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth. The mighty angels of the Lord Jesus Christ will make their descent and set the world a-trembling at the approaches of their Almighty Lord. They will shake nations, and shake churches, and shake mighty kingdoms, and shake once more not earth only, but heaven also. The very next thing I freely tell you that I look for is, 
that there will those horrible shakens be given unto certain kingdoms in Europe that shall bring the pure worshippers of the Lord Jesus Christ into such employments and advancements as has never been seen before. But such things will be done that it may be questioned, Who shall live when God does these things? And it must be answered, Your heart shall live that seek the Lord. Thirdly, no men under so much obligation to be men of prayer as the ministers of the gospel who should be as much by their study as by their office the men of God. My fathers and brethren, you that are the Samuels of this New England, Israel, you are concerned more than any men living to be among them that call upon the name of God. Call you upon the Lord and he will answer you. The first ministers of the New Testament expressed a resolution well worthy to be followed by all that shall come after them in Acts 6.4. We will give ourselves continually to prayer and the ministry of the word. Our Lord Jesus Christ gave to his disciples a directory for their supplications. And in this directory, I think I see the condition of his pastors more particularly accommodated. Our prayer should be, as it were, our breath. And oh, how should we live if we were breathing of prayer on all occasions every day continually? The success of our ministry in those three things, the sanctifying of God's name and the coming of his kingdom and the doing of his will, these are the first and main things for which we are to be concerned in our daily supplications. But if we will be faithful in our ministry, we must run the hazard of losing all the comforts of this life. It will be well if even they that are bound by compact as well as otherwise by justice to support us do not sacrilegiously cheat us of our daily bread. We must therefore go to God as to our Heavenly Father for our bread with our daily supplications. But in our ministry we shall commit many errors being flesh and blood and having a fountain of sin in us as well as other men. We must therefore cry for the forgiveness of our sins with our daily supplications, and the many injuries which an ungodly world will treat us with will furnish us with opportunities enough to insert in our daily supplications that clause, Lord, we forgive them who trespass against us. But our ministry will be attended with various temptations from the wicked one. Oh, how glad will the devils be if we whose business it is to thwart and cross his designs, may be used by him and to anything that shall promote them. For this cause our daily supplications must cry to heaven that we may not be led into temptation but saved from the evil one. Thus we are to pray without ceasing, and we are to interweave prayer into all the affairs of our ministry. Our sermons especially, oh, if we did but pray much over them, how much would the Spirit of Christ adjoin himself to them? It is very sure. But shall we not fast as well as pray? Number three. May the faces of a thorough reformation be from this day used among us upon the multiplied occasions for such cares. When the General Assembly of Israel were all together, they said, We have sinned against the Lord. But when they so said, it is implied that they did something in pursuance of this confession. That is to say, they set themselves to redress the provoking evils wherein they had sinned. 
Certainly there is not one man in our general assembly, but will readily confess we have sinned against the Lord. Yea, the Lord by his scourging has made this people many a time over to confess us much before heaven and earth. But now just and quick and warm cares to reform what we confess are needful to show the sincerity of our confession or to prove that we had a spirit without guile in our confession. It is thought by some that when the general assembly of Israel did pour out water before the Lord, they did by this, as it were, sacramentally profess that they thoroughly cleanse themselves from all their filthy idolatries and utterly cast forth all their filthiness and wickedness with a full purpose to take up nothing of it any more. Truly the command of our God now to us is that in Isaiah one sixteen, Wash you, make you clean, put away the evil of your doings from before mine eyes. I must say to you that Whatever man shall in anything obstruct the reformation of New England, he is by this, and so far, a public enemy of the land. Are we sure that we have no secret sins to be repented of? Let us with all humility of soul inquire after them, that so nothing may be lacking to the reformation of the land. There was once a people in the wilderness, who being harassed, by desolations, could thereupon say in Psalm 90, verse 8, Thou hast set our secret sins in the light of your countenance. There is at all times a room for that exclamation, How unsearchable are the judgments of God! This has been an abridged reading of a sermon by Cotton Mather. Things to consider for a distressed people.